FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast that goes snicked. It's a flashback episode. Flashback! That's right, he's back for <laughs> Acts of Vengeance Part 2. I am your host, Jason. Remember kids, it's not cool to smoke unless you have a healing factor, but then it's pretty damn cool. Venable. <laughs> and I'm joined by the triumphant return of Cameron. She's turning Japanese. I think she's turning Japanese. I really think so. Sinclair. Hey. Dun, 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 dun. I'm back. He's back. Guess who's back? Back, back again. again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. Maybe but... I'm back. <laughs> How many? The boys are back in town. There's another one. <laughs> Backstreet Boys, Backstreet's back. <laughs> All right. Then, yes, then yes, that's it. <laughs> All right, it's going to get ugly. Yeah, we should probably stop with the Backstreet Boys. Yeah. That's a good place to exit. I think that's where they should have stopped. <laughs> hey Hey Just kidding, Joey Fatone was funny in Greek weddings. What a timely reference. <laughs> Uh-oh, what happened? There it is. Uh, you went away. I'm still My here. My screen disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now the boy, the boy bands are making a comeback, though. So are they? Besides yeah, Geico commercials, my daughter's all about them. Oh, <clears throat> especially um, a group called Why Don't We, which is some dudes from here. That's a stupid uh, name. Dallas, it is. I agree. But uh, they're from Dallas. There's a boy. There's a Dallas boy band. I believe they're from either they, some of them. I'm or, gonna correct you and say it's got to be Plano. I think actually, I think one of them's from Garland. Oh, Gene Child sure. represent. Because I feel like someone said he went to like uh, Naaman Lakeview or something. Oh. I don't know. And then she's also she's even more than that into a number of K-pop K-pop bands, mm. particularly a band called BTS. BTS. That stands, yep. that stands for something. Probably. But I think it's something in Korean, so. Oh, okay. Hmm. So you may or may not know. Yeah. Uh, I remember when she used to like Arctic Monkeys. That was cool. <clears throat> I know, right? Yeah. Right. Everybody's got to go through the phase where they like. I, I mean, I was. Ethan I, likes Logan Paul, so. Gigi's oh, a big yeah, Logan Paul fan, too. Uh, he's, he's a bad name in our house now because he's such a. Yeah. yeah, all yeah. the stupid stuff with the the graveyard and all that, or the suicide yeah. forest. Yeah, and they're not learning <clears> from <throat> it. And... Juju's less a fan of him than she was. She was a big fan of him for a while, but that's good. Yeah, it's cool. The um, but I I sometimes I get bummed out that that what thinking about. I mean, not that they're bad. I mean, they're just like boy bands. So they sound like all boy bands sound like. Right. You know, it's like a, it's like a thing, but um. But then I would think about, well, you know, when I was in seventh grade, all I listened to was hardcore gangster rap. So it's not really, not necessarily, you know, going to be the music you listen to forever. Right. Yeah. 
I don't know I if lost. I call everything you listen to hardcore gangster rap. There was some uh, MC Hammer thrown in there. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> my my favorite my favorite band in the era was Ice T. So. Yes, I remember that. I remember those days. You were. I remember there was a time where you were all about Ice T and uh, George Strait. Yeah, it's an interesting <laughs> that, uh, mixture. I, sixth grade, I was all about George Strait. <laughs> Because I had I had visions that I was going to show up at middle school with a cowboy hat on and boots. <laughs> and I was going to change my, but then I, whatever reason, I don't really even know how. I try. Uh, oh, I got Columbia House subscription. There you go. <laughs> and so I got I got a bunch of records or not records cassettes yeah. of like uh, MC Hammer and Vanilla Ice and Bell Biv DeVoe and all those bands. Uh, yeah, I remember that. And then from there, I discovered. I guess that's where I discovered rap, which is such a weird suburban white kid thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I found out about rap. Well, that and right. MTV, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yo MTV. And then from know. there, I went to a a, rec, a a record store. Oh, I don't CD. No, it wasn't CD Warehouse. I don't whatever the one at the mall, Richardson Square Mall was. I remember, and I bought an Ice T cassette. Yeah. I remember. Because that kind of transitioned us to some of our, our grunge days. Because what movie soundtrack was it that had like the, the hardcore hip-hop bands and the grunge bands that did songs together? Oh, yeah. I don't remember what that was. That, was. Uh, that was, was it New Jack City? Maybe. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't tell you, but I, I, remember, I remember the songs, but I couldn't tell you what movie it was from. Yeah, because like Alice in Chains did a song with, was it LL Cool J? I mean, that may not be right, so don't yell at me, people, if I'm not right. I but, but I do, I know, something I do like remember that, that Alice in Change is on there. Yeah. And know Cool J was on there, too. I just don't know if it was the same song. <laughs> yeah. But, <clears throat> yeah, I remember that. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, so who knows what people are going to like. Right. So. Yeah, and like you said, it, won't, it probably won't stay the same. Yeah, and Jack's, Jack's getting into the Avid Brothers, so. Nice. He's right in the right in the right place. There you go. But he'll he'll probably he'll probably have a time in the wilderness as well when he becomes. <laughs> we all do. You, yeah. you have to. It's, yeah. it's part of growing up. <laughs> yep. Well, speaking of growing up, um, that doesn't segue to anything. But <laughs> well, you can think about your our musical time in the wilderness. Is similar to our comic time in the wilderness when all we read was Punisher and GI Joe, and then yeah. we discovered there's this whole world of other great True. comics out there. True, and that Punisher stuff not so great. Doesn't hold up. Kind of rough. Kind of rough. I don't. I don't. I don't throw on Ice T's Cop Killer all that often anymore. <laughs> you know? I don't hate it as a song, but you know, it's not something I listen to very often. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's funny. Similar vibe. Yeah, right. Well, anyway, <clears throat> this is uh, Acts of Vengeance Part 2. The uh, We're going to wrap up. Acts of Vengeance? Yes, Acts of Vengeance. Acts, a, a big double-bladed axe. <laughs> battle Acts of Vengeance. Battle Acts of Vengeance. <laughs> there is some battling going on, some rap battles, maybe. Um, Ooh, I hope so. Yeah. So, of course, the uh, the big summer crossover of 1989 for Marvel, where the good guys fight villains they don't normally fight. It's the whole, it's the whole shebang. It's like a, it's like a Marvel square dance. Change your partner, do so you do. Yeah. 
It's yeah. like the what, what we all lived for in those days. Yeah, right. There were some cool matchups, some not so cool matchups, some pretty lame stuff, but some pretty awesome stuff too. Um, but this is part two. We talked about part one last time with Pat um, and ran through the the uh, solo Wolverine taking on the magical cocaine. Um, <laughs> so if you haven't got a chance to listen to that episode, I would recommend doing it first. But now we're going to talk about some pretty insane stuff in Uncanny X-Men. Oh, yeah. Um, so just kind of set the stage. Because Acts of Vengeance, the, uh, the reading order, is kind of funky when it comes to Wolverine because you have the Wolverine solo book that takes place in this story before the uncanny story but we've already covered the uncanny issues before this that kind of lead directly into this so it's kind of this weird I mean welcome to 89 going into the 90s where Wolverine's going to be everywhere and it's going to be hard to keep his story straight <laughs> but um yeah. we'll do the best we can so in the Wolverine solo series to kick off Acts of Vengeance um, he fought Tiger Shark, remember the Sabretooth of the Sea, um, and that was a nice little battle. But the last time we talked, which seems like forever ago, um, Wolverine met Jubilee, and they escaped the outback by the skin of their teeth, and that's kind of where this story picks up, um, as far as the Uncanny X-Men goes. So that's where Wolverine is now. So kind of ignore the the Central American take over and uh, remember back to when he was with Jubilee. But before we get there, I'm going to run us through, like I did last time, a few issues um, leading up to this. So uh, we're going to kick off with New Mutants number 86, which was the Rob Liefeld era kickoff party. Uh, Officially started the Liefeld run. Um, so Rusty and Skids try to stop the Vulture from freeing Nitro. And really the dumb thing about this issue is Vulture was just trying to prove that he was worthy to be part of the Acts of Vengeance. He was tired of being overlooked. Um, so Rusty and Skids stop the villains, but they get recaptured by Freedom Force. And also we meet the Mutant Liberation Front, which will be a big deal in the Liefeld era. And we get a little teeble, a little teeble, a little teaser of Cable. Cable. Yeah, who's about to make his magnificent debut uh, in the next issue, actually. Um, so Power Pack 53, I don't have, so I didn't read it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme number 11, which thankfully was in Marvel Unlimited. Um, remember <clears throat> our demonic Hobgoblin? He attacks Doctor Strange until the good doctor cast a spell to make him think he's only human, so he runs away. For the listeners, I'm doing a spell-casting hand thing. On yes, the he is. I can see the little, little magic pinwheel thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, from the movie. <laughs> I, just turned my, I just turned my living room upside down. <laughs> nice. Inception <laughs> style. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have Amazing Spider-Man number 327, Eric Larson, Spider-Action. Magneto. This was such a good era of comics. <laughs> it really was. There's a lot of really cool stuff going on. Here. Just forget. Don't forget how many great, great people there there are at the same time. Right. Yeah. It's iconic. Not even necessarily great because there's always great, but but just so many like iconic people that 
introduce such specific styles and such specific long runs. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Down. It's pretty crazy. And then, yeah, and just kind of this magical zeitgeist, I guess, of Marvel talent at the time. Um, yeah. Yeah. In this issue, Magneto thinks that Spidey's new cosmic powers might be a mutation. So he goes after Spider-Man, but he gives up when he deduces that he's wrong because Spidey has too many new powers to be a mutant, question mark. Mm. <laughs> he's like, he has too many powers. He can't be a mutant. <laughs> and have that many powers? <laughs> <laughs> so he just leaves him be, runs away. Again, a lot of running away in these stories. No one just kind of realizes they're in over their head and they just they skedaddle. Um, that's that's kind of how some of these crossovers tend to work, though. <laughs> right? You can't, like, do you can't really have a defeat, right? It's not their character, so. right? And the and the people that are actually using them in their books have stuff they want to do, so you right. can't you can't trample all over that either. So yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, so then next up we have Mark Specter, Moon Knight, number eight and nine. So against the backdrop of all the acts of vengeance chaos. Moon Knight and the Punisher team up to take down Ultimatum, which is the Flag Smashers operation. All right. I moved, I moved my speaker. Did it change the sound too much? Not at all. Okay. I can tell. So, cool. All right. So that, my friends, takes us to the issues at hand uh, to Uncanny X-Men number 256, which does not have Wolverine, but... It's kind of a big deal, so we're going to talk about it kind of briefly. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, first of all, awesome Jim Lee cover and awesome Jim Lee art. Um, and it's funny because you have Mandarin kind of just standing in these green and blue action lines in a trench coat smoking a cigarette. And then he has a new assassin, and Psylocke is her name. But if you bought this issue at the time, you're like, that doesn't look like Psylocke. But nonetheless, a fantastic cover by Jim Lee. Um, yes, and I think about as cool as Mandarin has ever looked. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. A lot cooler than he looks in the other issues of this story. Yeah. Where he's wearing his like well, uh, super I villain. I think he tends up. to be. I like I like kind of the mob boss version of him. I do too. I do too. Anyway. Right, so the basic gist of this issue is that uh, Matsuo offers the Mandarin an Asian Psylocke and the service of the Hand. But Mojo, who helped form her new body, might have other plans. Dun, dun, dun. Part, yeah, and part of her indoctrination to the Hand was having her, air quote, remember killing the X-Men. Yeah. But really... I think the lasting nugget of this story is that we take Betsy Braddock, an English woman, granted, had purple hair, but still, yeah. still just, you know, your typical English white chick, and um, we kind of arbitrarily make her Asian, um, with the story reason being that Mandarin didn't think his underlings would respect a white person in the Hong Kong underworld. So she had to look Asian. Seems like a long way to go. 
just for that goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, you know, I did some, some, or tried to do some research. There's really not much out there besides kind of guessing at what happened here. Um, but it was really interesting seeing different, both kind of old and new reactions to this about, I don't know, just kind of how complicated it is from today's culture to look back at something like this. Um, I don't know, what are your what are your initial thoughts? Well, well, I always I always really liked it because I thought she looked way cooler in the this Stylock version than she did in the original Betsy Braddock version. Right. But I always felt like I always felt like well, always maybe not necessarily at the time, but but since I've been an adult, I always kind of felt like the a lot of the reason for this is that they wanted to diversify the X-Men more, but that Chris Claremont wasn't comfortable writing an Asian lady. And so he thought, (laughs) Oh, I'll just have her be an English person. She's a white person, but you know, you got Jubilee and stuff. So that's probably not really true, but I was kind of always what I always thought about it, that it had something to do with that, like wanting to have a, a big character, but not feeling comfortable enough with the uh, the cultural elements. I don't know. I don't know. That I that's don't really know because he tackles viable. a lot of Asian stuff. Like in the Wolverine miniseries, is all set in Japan. He's really added that kind of element to Wolverine's character. But again, yeah, it's true. He's a white. Dude. I mean, he's a Canadian, but. Is is kind of a white guy appropriating Asian culture, and I don't know. Maybe there's something would, to that. But I, I, would I also kind of. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was gonna say I would say that the the difference, I guess, would be that the the other times when he writes Asian characters, they are very deeply within an Asian story, right? And they're not the main character, you know. So it's like he writes all kinds of different characters, but they're all samurai or tied into the Asian underworld. And it's like, so the idea of taking a character outside of that context and then have them be Asian, but not be in an Asian context where they're always talking about Asian things. (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? So, but, but again, and even like, um, like Jubilee is like very American, which is kind of her thing, right? She's right. Japanese at Japanese descent, but even in the next issue, we'll talk about, you know, the idea of being, she's very American in her culture. Right. And so anyway, I, I don't know. I don't know that that holds up and I definitely don't want to cast any aspersions on well, the great Claire Claremont. There's right. plenty of things to criticize him for. <laughs> this is not necessarily <laughs> yeah. one that is this worth the effort, but. Yeah, I kind of wonder if it's just the fact that at this time, like, Asian stuff from a Western standpoint was really consumable. It was kind of like a hot thing to to be in entertainment. Ninjas were all the rage. Um, You know, why didn't he just make a new character? I, I don't know, but I think he wanted to have the character be important. Like right off the bat, and, and making it Psylocke was a way to kind of do that. I mean, do you yeah. think does it does it make a difference that the artist is Jim Lee? 
you know, being an Asian American artist, does that kind of give it credence? Does it not matter? I don't know. I would really like to hear Jim Lee talk about it. He doesn't really. Like, really interesting. <laughs> just, just. I mean, not even, not necessarily an in depth, but just. Right. You know, what did you think about that? What was yeah. your thoughts on it? And he may have thought I didn't didn't mean anything to him. I mean, you know what I mean. It may right. not have. <clears throat> he may not have thought about it much. He may have just thought. I, don't know, but, a, I think I think he probably just thought here's a sexy Asian woman for me to draw. I would suspect that's. I mean, honestly, that's what we all thought when we saw right. it. Yeah. At the time, you know, yeah. so. Oh, yeah. 11 year old Jason was like, ka-ching. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then in the movie when they cast Olivia Munn, 35 year old Cameron was excited about that, too. <laughs> <laughs> so it took yeah. me on both sides, you there know. You both, both there you yeah. But yeah, you know, I don't know. I always thought she was such a cool character, so it, it didn't necessarily. Um, I don't know. It's just a weird. As I as I've often made the joke, I always say this is one of the one of the great is this racist moments of uh, of comics, you know? Because it's just like I don't really know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. really know what what people think of this. Is it is yeah. it cultural appropriation, or is it just an interesting story? Yeah, I mean it does kind of diversify the X Men to a degree. I you know I think at the end of the day, Cameron, we're just going to. You know, be transparent and say that two forty-year-old white guys are probably not the source of authority on what this does or doesn't mean. <laughs> a good point. Yeah, and so you know, but I'm with you though. I mean, whether now and today, and kind of my worldview today, I'm a hundred percent comfortable with it or not. I kind of pretty quickly. I don't want to say dismiss it because that, that sounds bad, but yeah, I, I enjoy the story where it goes from here so much that I kind of just, it almost gets a pass for me. Whether I should let it or not, I don't know, but I kind of just give it a pass and say, okay, that happened. Now let's just worry about what happens next. Um, yeah, that's a good point. And I mean, also any anytime you have body switching it's a it's a tricky it's a tricky thing regardless yeah and you know have you have you watched the netflix series altered carbon not yet it's on our list okay it's 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 pretty good it's like a not quite as good blade runner but oh okay but i still enjoyed it i enjoyed it a lot but anyway it has a similar kind of flip-flop where it's an asian guy who ends up in a white guy's body through a lot of the movie and so there's there's a bunch of stuff going on that's not really a spoiler it's the first few minutes but but just so it's kind of like the opposite version of that but a similar kind of right element of like is the, is this okay in in the in our you know as uh i guess if we were less liberal we may not care but <laughs> right. as, a, as liberal leaning americans it's kind of like i don't know if this is okay or not right yeah <laughs> but, and and I think the trickier thing too is whatever reason Claremont decided at least if he does it's it's subtle and it's way down the road doesn't really like have any story like oh here I am in this new body suddenly facing like almost you know like like if Betsy as an English woman tackled 
stories of like, okay, suddenly I'm like oppressed or I feel prejudiced against me. You know, now yeah. that I'm in this different place, I, I, I don't know if that is better or worse. It kind of made me think of, you know what else I thought of that's not too long after this, you know, a handful of years, um, is when uh, the Punisher got the face graft to be African-American. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you remember that or not. I do but, remember uh, that. Um, and that, to me, because I think in that touchy. one... What did you say? So that's a little touchy too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but I seem to remember, and I haven't, I haven't read it since it came out. So I, I will eventually get there in my reread. But um, I seem to remember though there being some kind of talk or or kind of plot about like oh, punishing kind of uh, like kind of walking in that shoe, right? Yeah. Um, of kind of dealing with racism and. And at least like the tried. John Travolta movie, White Man's Burden. Well, yeah, I was thinking about that. And what was the, what's the really, really terrible one with the terrible uh, blackface? Soul Man? Soul, where yes. The guy, yeah. Where the guy basically puts on blackface to get into Harvard? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one, not okay. <laughs> not okay. <laughs> no. I think these other ones were, you know, were kind of A little more gray, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, to your point, one of the interesting things about about the Psylocke character is they don't they don't do anything with it. So it's not there's there's really no at least as far as I remember the fact that she has an Asian body now doesn't ever mean anything. You know what I mean? Other like than her being a badass they don't do any stories about. They don't do any story, like you said, they don't do any stories about, oh, now I'm experiencing what an Asian person experiences. Right. They don't try to do any of that, but they don't really even do any, like, her talking about, oh, this is body's different now, or, or talking about how I'm English, but I'm in this body. I mean, they make references to it just to kind of keep the story go a little bit, but... And even, I don't, I don't even really remember, kind of after a point, it's like, I don't even know that they do that anymore. It right. just kind of becomes this is this is her. So yeah, yeah. By the mid nineties, it's almost like was Psylocke ever anything else? Yeah. <laughs> got... Which is not not to well so to bring it back to Olivia Munn, which I thought was an interesting choice then for when they they represented Psylocke in the movie for all the the pros and cons I've heard about the Age of Apocalypse. P- choosing her, I thought was an interesting choice. It's just like a character who's half Asian. And half white, and they just kind of went with it, and so it doesn't right. really. It just kind of like they just merge both, and let's move on. <laughs> Which yeah. I thought was, I, I, I was, it was kind of a good, way, an easy way to kind of deal with it and move on without having to address. Which now would be a trickier thing than at the time, right? So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting, if, you know, if you have listeners any strong opinions about kind of the cultural relevance of this, I guess, yeah. transition. Um, you know, feel free to, to send them in. And I know some other podcasts have tackled this on a deeper level. I don't really know if that's yeah. what I necessarily want to do tonight. But um, but I think it's definitely an, an interesting conversation and an interesting situation that, I don't know, if it was done today, what that would necessarily mean. Um, yeah. But let's let's take some calls and see what readers think. Yeah, yeah. Phil from Tokyo, you're on the line. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. It'd be great if 
for whatever reason, for what you decided to have a call-in show just for this, just for this uh, episode. That's pretty awesome. Set up a call-in show. That's pretty awesome. I wouldn't be afraid to talk to some comics people about this, though. To be honest, that's true. Um, Pete from Boston, how do you feel about it? No. <laughs> no. Make her white again. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag MAGA. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, no. uh, she's pretty badass. So we'll, yes, we'll focus Carl, on Carl, that Carl, part. I think, and I don't, I don't know that it's because of this, but I think she becomes one of one of the greatest characters. Sounds too dramatic, but definitely up up in there with great X Men characters. Yeah. Whereas I thought as Betsy Braddock, she was always she was an interesting character, but. I never, I don't know. I never loved her that much as a character. Was like she was interesting and okay, but I felt like she becomes a lot more badass. Which part of that is, you know, now being a ninja and having all these massive fighting skills, and right. Well, so she becomes a lot more than just a telepath, right? And let's be honest, the uh, not to well, some of the new powers we're going to talk about that she exhibits are just a cool addition to the character, yeah, and and add an element. So. Ultimately, it's a net positive. So. Yeah, there you go. Well, speaking of kind of what she's going to be and her new powers, uh, why aren't you ready to move on to 257? Sure. You don't want to go through this one? I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> it's a crazy comic. I, I enjoyed it, but it is, it's a crazy issue. It was kind of hard to follow. Um, and, of course, you know, part of, of what happens to the story, I think maybe subconsciously tries to address <laughs> whether it's racist or not and that they add the other character back anyway. I mean, a lot of this gets retconned. Um, yeah. Not too far down the road. I mean, you know, still early 90s. So, you know, three or four years. Um, yeah. So, and yeah, it adds, it's, it's... adds a lot to the story. as It makes it more about, you know, kind of character beats and desires and, and, and different motivations as opposed to just we need a, an Asian assassin lady so let's just turn her Asian I mean if we get to the whole body swap instead of body transformation um, as it kind of morphs into later so. yeah or I wonder if there was a not to keep beating this dead horse for too long, but I wonder if there was a boardroom meeting where it was rather than it being like, we need to introduce an Asian character. It was more like, what can we do to make Betsy Braddock more interesting? <laughs> you know, just cause it's like, she's just kind of a lame Jean gray now. And so what, what can we do? <laughs> what else can we do? Oh, so no, I guess, well, I... Let's, make her, let's make her a hardcore warrior. And so they ended up on this story for whatever yeah. reason, but maybe, maybe so. I don't know. I also, anyway. you know, there's, a, there's a, of course, Claremont when asked about it later, didn't really intend for it to be permanent. You know, it, oh, really? it's, 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 she's coming out of the siege perilous and, you know, like the other characters, like storms, a kid <clears throat> for a while. Yeah. But that's not permanent. And, um, you know, he, his initial thought was kind of like, Oh, it was kind of be this way for a little bit, but it was such a, strong fan reaction to it that it kind of got decided on bit. its own. So. All right. Yeah. 
Cool. Okay. Well, Uncanny X Men two fifty seven brings Wolverine back into the story. Finally. Finally, yeah. <laughs> All right. We have two fifty seven. Uh, Chris Claremont, writer, Jim Lee, penciler, Yosef Rubenstein, inker or Rubenstein, all available errors. <laughs> <laughs> and brought the house. I wonder if that means they ran out of time. <laughs> it's, it's a, everybody letter. Everybody. Even Jim Lee did a couple of letters. <laughs> and then uh, Glennis Oliver, colorist, Bob Hera, editor, Hera's editor. Um, we don't usually do editor, but I went too far. Yeah, you're all right. It doesn't hurt okay. to give us some recognition. They got an important job. That's true. All right, cover. Uh, we oh, have man. basically a Psylocke dressed in the full lady, uh, lady, Ma- lady Mandarin. There you go. Yeah. Um, with a Wolverine laying on the ground, and she's got a basically in a headlock with a uh, with the uh, the psychic blade, psychic knife. Yeah. And it's a pretty cool cover. It's pretty great. It's very purple. Yeah. yeah Lots of purple going on, but but I, I like the I like the Wolverine in the in the black suit looking yeah. looking so uh paralyzed basically. In the yeah. Really yeah, the faces are great. Both both Wolverine and Psylocke's face just really tell the story of what's going on here. Yeah. But it's Jim Lee. So yeah. it's it's pretty awesome. Jim Lee's pretty much my favorite, so I'm pretty much always going to be like, it's great yeah. when it comes to that. Um, <clears throat> okay, so let's get into this. All right, so we open up with Lady Mandarin. She's uh, meeting with the Hong Kong underworld uh, to ask for fealty from them. They basically say Mandarin's lame and uh, make some references to, I, I, I believe it's Iron Man beating Mandarin. Yes, yeah, he's an Iron and Man villain. They make some references that are kind of disparaging of Iron Man, which I thought were kind of a funny little dig. <laughs> I did too. Yeah, like he the, got they, beat they by like him. A, the they say the lowliest of America's so-called superhero. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Um, and so she tells them basically they need to. They're now under the protector. They're now under the authority of the Mandarin. If they don't like it, uh, they decide to fight her. She kicks all their asses. And then says, you're still lords, but he's your overlord. And they say, okay. <laughs> um, then we cut to Jubilee getting hassled in Hong Kong. Or are they in Madripoor still? No, they're in Hong Kong Bay, okay. I believe. That's what I thought. Yeah. But she talks about his Madripoor um, uh, um, um, reputation. Not re- reputation. There you go. Uh, magical representation and so as far as I was like well maybe they're there and they're on their way to Hong Kong but okay so they're in Hong Kong um, Patch steps in um, basically she's getting hassled and Patch shows up and they say oh sorry Mr. Patch we're sorry we'll leave you alone uh, and then Jubilee says what we've all been saying which is that an eye patch is a lame disguise yes I love that she makes fun of it I know I thought that was so perfectly Jubilee <laughs> And a great a great addition to the to this comic. Um, <clears throat> now Wolverine is is hurt 
something happens. It's not really clear. He falls down or something. Well, remember he got he got beat pretty bad by Pierce and the Reavers, and he was hung on that X cross. Right, and but I meant here. It looks like he falls down, and it's not really clear why. He's just really he's, just he's really weak still. Yeah. Okay, I guess that makes sense. So he's still recovering from the Reaver attack, and makes a comment about uh, finding the limits of his healing factor. Which I thought were interesting. Yeah. And then as I always like to say, remember that time will rain flew into the sun. <laughs> <laughs> and was fine. <laughs> right. <clears throat> so I don't think he's found the limits of his healing factor yet. <laughs> well. But it feels like. Uh, he's also seen Carol Danvers and Nick Fury everywhere, but no one else seems to see them. So. Right. Did you notice that Jubilee has her own brand and earrings? I did notice that. I thought that was hilarious. Um, <clears throat> um, all right, so then from there, we cut to Cairo, Illinois, where, who is this? I forgot who this character is. The FBI agent? Is no, really the, the shadow the king. Is it Storm? Yeah, Storm. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's okay. Kid, Kid Storm. Storm. That's what yeah. I thought. I, it doesn't look like her even in the kid version in several of the panels, and so I wasn't sure. But then, then you see that she's kind of got the white hair there, so right. Yeah, I guess I should have. Yeah. So when she came through the siege perilous, she came out a little kid. Yeah, that's right. So someone got murdered, and they're pinning it on her, and so she's hiding. That was just that's just like a two-page, or really even a page and a half catch-up. Right. Of where Storm is. So then we go back to Hong Kong. Uh, Wolverine meets with a lady named Rose to try to get the scoop on what's going on. Uh, he finds out about Mandarin's consolidation efforts with the underworld. Uh, they send off Jubilee and Rose's granddaughter, I think she said. Something doesn't really matter. But to go out to the mall and basically hang out. Then we cut to the South China Sea where Lady Mandarin, a.k.a. Psylocke, uh, is doing training exercises with the hand. Then we have a couple of panels of sexy bath time. Yeah. We always got to have something like that. <laughs> um, is, we're coming on the 90s. That's right. are about to get real sexy. Yeah, this is, uh, we're getting pretty close to the swimsuit editions, right? Comic <laughs> book swimsuit editions. Not too far, not too far. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's coming up. Uh, Matsuo tells her about, about that. that there's there's someone named Patch who obviously he doesn't know it's Wolverine. Right. <laughs> Jason's still laughing about the swimsuit edition. Yes, I am. <laughs> We're also laughing that he doesn't recognize that no one recognizes Patch as Wolverine. Oh, that too. Yeah. It's it's, it's, it's there's a lot to laugh about. There's a guy that looks exactly like Wolverine, but he's got an eye patch, so <gasps> clearly it's somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who it is. Uh, but yes, yeah, so he's telling that, and then Matsuo makes some interesting comments about about the Mandarin, and that he seems to not really think the Mandarin is making good choices either. Right, right. And we get another reference to fighting American superheroes. Yeah, well, talking this, about how the yeah, basically suggesting that the Hand and Lady Lady Mandarin Psylocke have earned the Mandarin respect once again, but he's still wasting it by trying to fight other superheroes. Right. And that's a direct is, reference. This is our barely tie into the event. So Mandarin right, okay. is part of the uh, cabal of supervillains that are trying to take the Avengers down. 
Uh, so basically in the middle of this story, he runs off to America to try to fight the Avengers. So, right. Seems yeah. like a good time. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. Um, but I do want to mention too, before we get too far, um, during the training, we get the reveal of the new power, which is the, the psychic blade. Oh yeah, that's right. And that's, that's brand new. So that's right. I forgot that was, was uh, that was a awesome. brand new addition to this. Yeah. Basically, it's the uh, the totality of her telekinetic power and a blade that extends from her hand, kind of like a little a dagger. Um, yeah. And that'll evolve over the years into different things, like a, a sword, or I think at one point she even has like a bow and arrow that she can do with it. But yeah, but for a long time, it's just this kind of knife. And um, it's a pretty great addition to her skill set, to her mutations. Definitely. Way better than the little butterfly yeah, but Betsy Braddock would send off. Right. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah. I, I forgot that that was uh, a new addition. <clears throat> Definitely adds to it, and of course, it fits perfectly with the new assassin persona and all the ninja fighting skills and all that stuff. So yeah, it works uh, perfect. Um. All right, so now we cut back to Hong Kong, where we're at the mall with Jubilee and. It's not Rose. That's the old lady's name. But it's something. Grace. Ruby. Ruby, maybe. Uh, I'm gonna go look because I feel like I should remember that. Um, Rosie. Ruth. Ruth. Oh, Rosie's the old lady. Yep. Ruth. There you go. That's such an old lady name too. Yeah. All right. Whatever. She's at the mall. Um, and some teenagers start hassling her. She's not interested in them, and they, I guess, catch that she's American, and they call her an uppity tourista Yankee banana. <laughs> they call her banana because of the yellow coat, or was that just a defense? No, it says yellow on the outside, white on the end. Oh, that's true. That's true, right. They're making a racist reference. But I thought this is racist for a lot of reasons. One of which is I don't think Asian people refer to themselves as yellow. I think that is a racist thing that white people say. And so the idea that they would use that term seems a bizarre thing to me. Maybe they would only use it to ridicule? Maybe? I don't know. Maybe. I I, I honestly don't know. I've never heard that. I've heard people use terms like coconut and things like that. Right. But I haven't heard... uh, I haven't heard banana, yeah. so I don't know. Right. I don't know if that's a thing anybody says or not, but I've never heard it before, and it definitely didn't feel right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Jubilee's pretty great in this little sequence. Oh, yeah, she's perfect. So she basically threatens the guy, and uh, Ruth pulls her off, and they walk away and then giggle at the stupid guys. And they're going to go get some McBurgers. <laughs> yes. Give me a McBurger. It's pretty funny. <laughs> All right, so then we cut to Muir Island where we get another just check-in with what's going on. And uh, we got Banshee, Forge, and Moira basically building the um, defenses in case the Reavers come back or anybody else. Um, while While we're there, Lorna's there talking about how she lost her powers still, and then Legion basically takes her brain over. Or says that he does. Calls it his personal private playground. Yeah. So I assume we'll come back to that later. 
Although not in these issues. But. No, no, but I get a something. <clears throat> is that a New Mutants? I mean, I, I assume that's... Uh, no, I... I or is believe... Legion in regular... I don't know what team Legion is on at this time. I can't remember. Oh, uh, he's just hanging out on your island right now. Oh, okay, so. he's not on a team. I guess that's why I don't remember. So he's just there. All right. Um, <clears throat> all right, cut back to Hong Kong. Wolverine's waiting for Jubilee. Um, talking about how slowed healing factor is making it making smoking difficult. <laughs> um, then ninjas, I guess it's the hand. They don't yeah. really spell that out. I don't think. Maybe they do later. But anyway, um, they're sneaking up to try to surprise Wolverine. But of course, he surprises them with an incredible panel uh, and, where he dives onto them. Yeah, an incredible and, sneak with uh, looking for me, fellas. Oh yeah, several. Great panels. Um, kicks all their butts pretty quickly. Um, then Jubilee shows up, fires some fireworks in the air to get everybody's attention. Wolverine realizes something weird's about it. Turns out Lady Mandarin is essentially taking controlling Jubilee or something. Um, then as they're fighting, Wolverine realizes it's Psylocke. That catches him off guard. And then she gets him with the psychic blade, psychic knife. And then he falls on the ground. And for some reason, he gets um, goth eye makeup. Yeah. That's what happens when he gets stabbed with the psychic blade. Yeah. I guess it makes sense. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. I think we covered most of it. Uh, I did want to point out there's a really cool part where Wolverine is talking to Rose. And mentions that Jubilee is his lifeline. So just kind of him <clears throat> acknowledging that bond and how important she was to getting him out alive. And I think that'll kind of serve to foster what that relationship becomes over time. Um, yeah. And then also, I thought it was weird. And, and maybe this fits with this story, but it's not going to fit with future stories. Because when Wolverine recognizes Psylocke, he knocks her helmet off, and he seems to recognize her by the face, as though she was still looked like Betsy, but just like Asian Betsy. Yeah, I thought that was odd too. Though she's not drawn anything like. But I mean, different artists. That's hard to tell, really. Um, but what we find out later about what happens here is that there's no way he can recognize her by the face because it's a completely different body. Right. Whereas in this story, though, at what we have now, you could maybe believe that Mojo, when the ye old body shopping turned her Asian, that it didn't necessarily change all her features. Almost like a... Like if you... Uh, Snapchatting yourself to be, you know, you know, like like you know, you have a puppy dog face, but you're still you. So maybe that's a you, new idea. Yeah, right. That's a new idea. Racist Snapchat. Racist, yes. Oh man, only in Trump's America. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that is weird, and I, because, well, because in that case, it's not a body switch, or it's a body switch, and then Mojo changes. Quanon's body to look like Betsy's. Yeah, it's weird. No, I, I don't think it right. works with what we find out later. And it, it, it's an odd thing. And me, I don't know. I don't know what else she would say. 
to make him recognize her because I mean she's fighting different too because Betsy, old Psylocke didn't yeah. know all these ninja skills. So well, he he specifies. He says, "What that face, right. Psylocke? Yeah, it's so weird. it's very clear. Something about her face he recognizes. Yeah, maybe it's just the purple hair. Maybe, but even then, it's not the same color purple as Betsy's hair was. No, it's, it's a lot it's darker. Darker, yeah, more Asian. Uh, yeah, that was weird. There's also a weird moment where where the uh, where Lady Mandarin is fighting all the underworld goons, and one of the guy yells, "Gun her!" instead of "Shoot her" or "Gun her down." I guess yeah. you might say, oh. but just to say "Gun her," I thought that was a very strange phrase. Well, he was in another fight later, and he goes, "Sword her." <laughs> Does he? No. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't catch that. That's pretty funny. Knife her. Well, I guess maybe he just has a pretty limited speaking I, I'm going to fork my salad. That's funny. So wh- why why is Wolverine seeing Carol Danvers and Nick Fury? Is that established or is it just part of because he's hurt so badly? It was from his fever dream, and it just hasn't left him yet. Okay, so it's just hanging around. That's why. Right. I don't so remember then, how that ends exactly, so I'm actually kind of looking forward to seeing what happens there. But um, I suspect they just talk. They're just not there anymore. <laughs> right. Probably. <laughs> but okay, and so this is weird, and maybe I read it wrong. But there's a panel then on page six seventeen. Where after Jubilee leaves, Rose says, sit, Logan, please, before you drop. I believe there's a him room on my couch for two. And the Carol Danvers ghost is sitting there. And so is this Rose, does she see Carol Danvers? That's an interesting question. Or is question. she making a comment about he sh- how she's going to come snuggle up to him? <laughs> she's going to spoon? Or, but there's no other like right insinuation that they're. The only other thing I can think of is if we're, I don't know, supposed to understand or read from his body language that he's hesitant to sit down. I don't know. It, yeah, it's it's weird because at no other point in the story do we get the idea that anybody else can see them. Yeah, well, and Carol Danvers also looks like she's waving at Rose. Right. In the past. So it's a very weird moment that has no other connection. And so I I was confused. I was like, maybe, unless I was like, well, maybe Rose has some kind of mystic power. But then that doesn't, never come back to that. So. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Unless it, unless, has Rose been previously established? I don't think. I don't think so, so right? So, uh, now, um, lack, lack, oh, shoot, what's it called? Um, I forgot the name of the, the firm. Landau, yeah, Landau, Luckman, and Lake has been. That, that's yeah. been established in the Wolverine solo series. It's kind of his, his yeah. connected law firm. But I don't think we've met Rose before in Madripoor, because... The office he's been to before was a Madripoor. Right. So I'm assuming she's just kind of his connection in Hong Kong. 
and I don't know. Really That's heard. what I thought. Yeah. So that, but I don't know then why. I don't know the thing with Carol's weird, but I don't know. It, is, kind of, it is weird. It, is it weird. doesn't really detract from the story any. It's just kind of a weird moment. So yeah, it just took me took me. I just kind of had to think about it for a second. But yeah. Anyway, anything else? Um. No, that's all I had. I thought the the art was superb. Yep, I agree. It's it's exciting to remember how awesome Jim Lee used to be, and he's he's still pretty great now. But there's just something special about this era of what he's doing. Yeah, um, especially when this is kind of where he hits his. Hits his stride, you know. Mm-hmm. Some of that early Jim Lee stuff. It's, I mean, it's all good, but it's, it's not. It's like his style isn't fully set, but kind of here, it's like I think the, which not necessarily with this issue, but this is the the era, right, where he's yeah. getting yeah. to kind of hit. This is what Jim Lee art looks like, and so, right. yeah, yeah definitely. It, it's it's so good, and there's so many, there's some really great panels. Yes, yeah, within I'll be, here too. So I've been tweeting some stuff for sure. Um, I mean, his, his Wolverine is is on the short list of the Wolverines. I mean, yeah, I would agree. So, his Wolverine and his Punisher. Oh, yeah, are are pretty much the ones, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, as far as the story in my notes, I wrote it's not perfect, but it kind of is perfect. Um, yeah. What, what do you think of the of the the story overall? I like that. <clears throat> I like that's a good way to put it. I mean, I think the only thing is that there are a few things that detract. Just particularly a couple of confusing points that right. we just went over. You know. Yeah. That kind of take away a little bit because it's kind of like, wait, what? <laughs> right. Um, and then the the kind of check ins with everybody else are, are a little bit. Um, they're Claremontian. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's very much the kind of stuff Claremont does, where he likes to just kind of keep you and remind you, oh, these people are here. Right. Um, and, you know, it's it's never more than a page, page and a half, so it's not much, but they are a little bit... Because this issue is so fast-paced. Yeah, it does slow down. For the most part, bit. that it's kind of like, all right, let's read a whole page about them building the defenses at Muir Island. Okay. <laughs> I don't know that that's important. Right. I mean, it will be. I assume the Legion thing will, will, will be an issue later, but yeah, yeah. In this moment, I don't. I didn't feel like I needed to know that. <laughs> right. I was. I was so excited about the story. Otherwise, that it was kind of like, hey, man. But yeah. <clears throat> but yeah. Otherwise, excellent. Yeah. So, is there enough wrong with it? Because really, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you'll surprise me, but to me, really, the argument here is: is this five out of six claws or six out of six claws? And yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, I'm I'm gonna say six. I need to. Okay. Yeah. There, there, there's a couple of little things, but it's not enough to take away from my experience. And I, you know, what I think was incredible to me is I enjoyed this issue this time as much as I have every other time I've read it. Like, 
Yeah. Even, even knowing kind of here's what happened, you know, like I know we're getting to the point of Uncanny X-Men where I know the issues pretty well. Um, right. But still just enjoyed the heck out of this one. So. Yep. And it's, <clears throat> it's the, the, the repercussions of this story. It's like both great for it in itself, but it's also great just because knowing what comes, you know, what, what this leads to, like we talked about at the beginning, Psylocke becoming such a great character, right. the continued Wolverine Jubilee relationship developing, you know, the Mandarin who cares, but the hand is always, <laughs> a, the, always the hand is usually pretty cool just to kind of see them. Right. Right. Well, and the idea that they, cause they, uh, you know, probably worth mentioning, um, the Lady Mandarin refers refers to Wolverine as one of the hand's greatest foes. You know, kinda Yeah. A direct call back to the Wolverine miniseries. Um of course where he kind of sliced and diced his way through the hand. Um <laughs> but you know, it's it's cool to know that they kind of remember that. And I think obviously also we'll eventually refer to like past stories and stuff like that as well. Like there's more history than we've seen to this point, but yeah. I, I thought it was cool that she kind of recognized when she realized who Wolverine was. And they're like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, any other any other thoughts on two fifty seven? No. All right. All right. Well, moving on to two fifty eight. Broken chains is by Chris Claremont, again, writer, Jim Lee Penciler. Uh, this time, the longtime Jim Lee collaborator, Scott Williams, is the inker. Uh, Tom Orjakowski, the letterer. So just one person, this issue. Uh, and uh, Glennis Oliver, still the colorist. Our cover is by Jim Lee. We have a savage, almost naked Wolverine fighting Mandarin in his not-as-cool battle armor. But still an amazing cover. It is. It is a little erotic, a little, a little bit erotic with Wolverine's nakedness, but yeah. and Mandarin, like you said, is is not as cool as uh, Lady Mandarin. But you know, it's still pretty badass. Yeah, no, it's, it's a pretty great cover. Good color work. Um, kind of the subtle dragon on his little sash is pretty cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hey, when did this issue actually come out? So it's cover dated February of '90s. So that was probably right at the tail end. We're coming on the end of '89. Okay, I was just thinking because that is technically 257. I meant to mention is the first issue of the '90s. Yeah, cover date first issue. Of the 1990 90s. January, yeah. but we're not to the probably release date first of the 90s not quite but really really close that's not really that big of a deal but i thought it was uh, yeah no it's interesting we're thinking about we're moving into the 90s in the flashbacks for sure like we're we're trucking along into that that switch over yep yeah i will say though um for the most part stylistically you can kind of already break this era off into the 90s a little bit. It's, it's right on that, you know, border, yeah. right? You know, it's kind of like the uh, the disco thing. You think of it as the 70s, but there was some stuff in the 80s too. You just kind of lump it back to the 70s. 
Like I think you can kind of lump some of this forward to to the nineties yeah, from, from a style true. standpoint. Um, but not quite to the like gratuitous nineties, and I don't just mean that in a sexual way. But there's a a certain, I guess if you want to call it edginess. Which I, I say kind of mockingly <laughs> to to nineties yeah. comics, um, you know. So we haven't really embraced that fully yet, but we're getting pretty close. Yeah, well, you know, it's it, there's overlap. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All yeah. right, so two fifty eight. Uh, Matt Suo, while being annoyed by Jubilee, tries to use Psylocke to mold Wolverine into a hand assassin. However, due to Psylocke's power and Wolverine's strong animal nature, psychic residence, I'm sorry, not residence, psychic resonance makes some of Matsuo's men go crazy. <laughs> Jubilee takes advantage of the chaos to pop some fireworks and run for help, but instead she literally runs into the Mandarin fresh off his defeat from America. <laughs> He takes Jubilee home and tries to make her a China doll um, and to embrace her Chinese heritage. But uh, next up, Psylocke tries to tempt Wolverine with his three true lovers. Isn't Jubilee Japanese, though? No, she's Chinese, I think. Okay. Right? I'm pretty sure she's Japanese, but I could be wrong. Let's let's see what Wikipedia has to say, because they can't be wrong. (laughs) <laughs> That's true. Uh, Jubilee, the fictional superhero, uh, created by Claremont and Silvestri. Um, Some great podcasting here. Wikipedia doesn't seem to care. Fictional character, oh, yeah. but daughters of two prosperous Chinese immigrants. Oh, all right. Yeah, I was wrong. It's okay. I'll still be your friend. I appreciate it. I'll still be your friend, Cameron. But if I can't love myself anymore, no one can. <laughs> it's true. Just. Like a real failure. Anyway, all right. Well, then I, I edit what I said in the previous issue when I had referenced her as being Japanese. I didn't want to be that guy that corrected you, so I, I waited until I got to this part. <laughs> You're playing the long game. I got it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, Psylocke tries to tempt Wolverine with his three true loves, Mariko, Yukio, and Jean. Um, but, Jean! But he just slacks her. I don't mean he put slacks on her. <laughs> Slacked. But slacked. S-L-A-K-K-T. He slacks yeah, I like her. it. Yeah. The podcast that goes slacked. Oh, we should do a Docker's podcast. Just talking about chinos. Yes, because we both wear Dockers a lot. Yes, the, the, the difference between chinos and khakis. You know who would like that podcast? Andrew. He's really into chinos. Is he really? 
Yeah, not to, <laughs> not to tell tells out of school, but um. That's funny. Yeah. I have a pretty much a strict gene policy. Mm. In pants, not in shorts. After the wash. In shorts. <laughs> yeah, in jean shorts. I remember silver tab shorts, all the rage. Yeah. Back around this time, we were reading these comics. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Our silver tabs and our, well, we we would have bought Jabot jeans, but we didn't have the money. I never had a pair. I never did either. I you know what? I think I bought like a black, like slacks Jabots that I got like, those are the ones that had like the little tag in the, on the fly, right? I think so. And they had the black <laughs> tag on the yeah, that sounds right. What are those silver tabs? Silver tabs. I think I like I found a pair of black like slacks or jeans or something at TJ for, like, Maxx. Super discounted somewhere. What's that? <laughs> at TJ Maxx or, or yeah, Ross? Ross. What was that place that was over there? By Mervin's. Mervin's? <clears throat> yeah. Mervin's is one. There was one that was over there by uh, by the church, like Miller or something. Not on the road, Miller. Oh, Miller's the, Outpost. Miller's Outpost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that place. That I was the only reason I could get Levi's. Because my mom yeah. would go to Miller's Outpost and get them really cheap. Even then, yeah. I didn't always get them. I sometimes got Lee or... Um, yeah, or Arizona's from JCPenney's. Ari- yeah, Arizona's. You know, uh, the kind that wasn't too bad was uh, that came from Miller's Outpost was... Um, I think they ended up being like a, a different brand later, but uh, Union Bay, maybe? Oh, yeah, know. I remember them. <clears throat> I mean, they, were, they were kind of baggy and skatery, and that's what I was into at the time. So. Yeah. I'm pretty much strict Levi's now. but Yeah, I pretty much only buy Levi's. I went through an Arizona phase for a while just because they're so much cheaper. You know what I don't like about Arizona? Well, oh, sorry, what you, you say what you don't <clears throat> like first. I, oh, I said that they, I felt like they, they would get holes too quick. Oh. You know, I and like, I think they're not as nice. They're not. They don't fit as well as they did for a while there. So when you sit down, you get poochie crotch. That's true. In Arizona. In Arizona jeans, when every pair I ever had, when I sat down, it looked like I had a boner. <laughs> and I'm not 13 anymore. I don't. I don't get random boners. I mean, this. sometimes it might have been true, but <laughs> right. most of the time. <laughs> you know, it, yeah. It's like self-conscious. Like I, yeah, that's true. I forgot about I'm that. I'm an adult. They I can't always have, run they around with poochy crotch pants. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, anyway. <laughs> that's a pretty random, random part of that. But but yeah, yeah. I, I pretty much only wear Levi's now. Not not because of the brand name, but just no, because they last the comfortable longest. for me. Yeah. And they fit well. What number are you? What uh, you wear? Five oh five, I think. Five oh five. Okay. Five one or five or maybe five fifty. One of those. Five fifty is relaxed, right? Maybe. Yeah. Five sixty is the loose. I used to sell yeah, those. I don't, I don't I used wear to the loose Yeah. They're too baggy on me. Yeah. Well, whatever one that is like relaxed, straight leg, I think that's the one I wear. Yeah, I think that's 550, I believe. Because I don't like the It's tapered. not tapered. That's the, uh, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> this well, is not, not a not, Levi's podcast. <laughs> if you're not tight rolling your jeans, you don't need <laughs> But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, this is a real random aside right there, but okay. Well, anyway, the lumber trick doesn't work. So Psylocke <laughs> reveals herself and fights Wolverine in his head. Here she also hits him in with the psych- head. Yes. 
in your hand. Wolverine, Wolverine, Wolverine. Just a quick tribute. Oh, yeah. Rest in peace. Um, R.I.P. R.I.P. Um, rip. Um, <laughs> uh, so in, in his head, she hits him again with the psychic dagger, but this time it hurts her and makes her fight the ghost of Fury and Danvers in Wolverine's psychic landscape. Um, Wolverine, now fully aware, slices out of his sensory deprivation tank. And and originally my notes, I wrote, somehow Imaginary Fury shoots the ninjas, but then we find out later that Psylocke knew that she saw Fury, so she made Fury shoot the ninjas, but she really shot them with her TK or something. It's... It's uh, not very clear. Yeah. Um, anyway, Psylocke intervenes. Next, Psylocke delivers Wolverine's quote-unquote corpse to the Mandarin. In anger slash grief, Jubilee shoots fireworks like never before. Here, Psylocke reveals she is broken free of the hand's control and attacks the Mandarin. Psylocke is able to freeze Mandarin from her previous mental connection but she can't hold it. Much like me on a road trip. Um, so Wolverine <laughs> quotes 89 Batman with two claws around Mandarin's head. He, uh, he trades Mandarin's life for his friends as they sail off into the sunset. Psylocke tells Wolverine about the Siege Perilous. Jubilee doesn't trust her. Psylocke doesn't trust herself. And Wolverine barely trusts her, but he needs her so dot, dot, dot. There you go. Yeah. And the the Batman 89 line was the, uh, have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? Yeah. I was was looking back at what he said. I thought it was going to be the, you want to get nuts? You want to get nuts? That's my favorite. That's my favorite. That's why. Not quoted often enough line from Batman 89. Yeah. I think that's my favorite uh, the actor overall. Michael uh, Keaton? What's his name? Yeah, Michael Keaton. That's right. Yeah. Birdman. Birdman himself. In any movie. <laughs> Could be. <clears throat> or we got to call him Vulture now since this is a oh, Marvel true. related. Yeah, right. He's now in the MCU, so. That's true. Isn't that crazy to think about? His yeah. career at starting out, or you know, not starting with Batman, but but getting huge with Batman, right? And now he's making a comeback with Birdman and as the Vulture. Yeah, both birds. All both all birds. three with wings. Exactly. He should redo the Wings TV show. <laughs> so you're gonna be Tony Shalhoub's cousin. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um. <clears throat> By the way, Monk yes. is a great show to watch when you're going to bed. Is it? I've never watched it. My parents like it a lot, but I have never sat down and watched it. Yeah. I probably won't it's ever. Interesting enough, but not to keep you awake. <laughs> interesting. Best endorsement I can ever get show. <laughs> That's a ringing endorsement. It'll entertain you, but hope you go to sleep at the same time. Yeah, that's funny. Oh, man. All right, what do you got in this issue, this 
jam-packed of twists and turns. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff in this issue, too. Yeah, there is. I think my favorite thing, though, is in the random interlude in the middle where they go back to Muir Island, there's a bad boy Jack Wayne who looks like a Doc Holliday yeah. <laughs> from Tombstone. Yeah, that's one of Legion's personalities. <laughs> I really like the big handlebar mustache and the big smile. <laughs> it's really funny. But again, this section was felt a little... Uh, Random again, and it's it's and it's hard. I I know what Claremont's doing, and it's important to remind the readers what else is going on. Right. And so I don't really know how else you do it, but especially when it's a when it's such an action-packed issue, it feels very abrupt. Yeah. To then just be like, oh, we're just standing around talking about what's going on, <laughs> and then back to the action. But yeah, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I, this is again another great issue. Yeah, yeah, fantastic art. Um, I like the uh, so the sorry. Weapon X Weapon X themed panel. Yeah, Wolverine coming off with the ripped clothes out of the water. Yeah, we not, we haven't <clears throat> had Weapon X yet, so that's interesting to think about. Yeah. I guess what what will be the uh, Weapon X themed panel? I guess I should say. Yeah, huh, I wonder if he borrowed some from this. I don't know. I feel like this is a not an unusual no, panel for probably Wolverine. Not. Probably not. Um, there's one panel where Psylocke looks like she has a thong on. Oh, most of the time. Yeah. Most of the time kind of moves back and forth. Yeah. But. Now, her new ninja costume is uh, it's, uh, wedgie-rific. Yeah. Yeah. I like the um, the way it ends, although it's, it's a little bit, um, it's a little on the nose, but the explanation for why, why he, <coughs> excuse me, why he could trust her especially going back to two issues before in the part where it's young Betsy Braddock with her brother and she talks about how no one trusts her. Right. Probably like that, I guess, because she's a psychic. And then here talks about how he did trust her and because he knew that he was so messed up that even she couldn't handle it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And then you have uh, Nick Fury and Carol Danvers doing what looks like a pole dance on the ship in the background. What? On page 31. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're all Pirates of the Caribbean up there. Yeah. And Wolverine... (laughs) On page 30, look at those pants Wolverine's wearing. (laughs) It's like... It's like he ran out of clothes and just threw like part of the the sail on his like tied it up around his waist. Yeah, that is what it looks like: giant puffy pirate pants. <laughs> the puffy shirt. <laughs> it is a puffy shirt. <laughs> What's the deal with the puffy pants? <laughs> yeah. What about you? Big thoughts. 
Man, no, I mean, so much happens, but it's it's very plot heavy. I, I'm still yeah. I'm trying to remember again. Um, why? Yeah. So, so Psylocke knew that Wolverine imagined Nick Fury, so she made the ninjas get hurt. <laughs> it's kind of a weird little thing that happens there. Yeah. It doesn't fully make sense. I mean, I guess it does, because she's in his head, and the Nick Fury and Carol right. Danvers are in his head, so... But it's almost <clears> like, <throat> so is she enabling him, like, in a way, like... Like, saying, I know you see this, and maybe it's, like, it's important that you think they're helping, so I'm going to make these ninjas look like they got shot, so that you can... Right, better is that what's going on? I guess, or maybe it's just in his brain. This is the fight that's taking place. I don't know. Yeah, because it's all just in his brain, right? Or no, 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 no. This is when the ninjas actually like "quote unquote" get shot, and so yeah, he almost has this thing like, "Well, is the ghost real?" But then you find out later that Psylocke did it with her power. Yeah. No, I was thinking, yeah, because earlier they're in his mind, yeah, and then that, but that part they're not in his mind anymore. They're in the actually fighting ninjas. Well, no, but they're not. They're, they're, it's no, still his imagination, still, but yeah, yeah, this is before. I keep trying to remember what what happens before and after he breaks out of the right tank, right? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah I don't, I don't know. It, it's weird. I didn't really. I just kind of went with it. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> At that point in the story, because it, again, it's so much is happening, and it's it's so interesting. It's just like, yeah, it was fine. I'll, right. I'll I'll deal with that. I'll take it. Yeah. I also I do love the snicked with the two claws around Mandra's neck from behind. Like we've yeah. seen it where he's done it, where he's popped it like under the chin. But it's kind of a play yeah. on that where he comes up behind Mandarin uh-huh. and puts the claw on either side of his face. And Mandarin's face and like, he's trying to like look and see what's going on. It's pretty great. Yeah. I like that. Alright. And we have, I guess, our new little crew of uh, Wolverine, Jubilee, Psylocke, and a couple of ghosts. <laughs> a ghost crew. Yeah, ghost crew. Yeah, I'm. Mean, you know what? I mean, reading this, if I was, I mean, back in the day and still reading it, I'm excited for what adventures they're going to get on. Me too. I can't wait to see where they kind of end up um, and, and to talk about it some more. So, art just so much awesome. Just so, so awesome. Um, yeah. And I thought the story was pretty great too. Uh, I'm going to give 258 six out of six claws again. What about you? Me too. Yeah, this two were really three really great issues. Um, and yeah. just so much happens with Wolverine. I mean, you know, sometimes you wouldn't talk about X Men. You know, Wolverine's a part of it, but you know, the, the story's focused elsewhere. But these are really, and really, it's really interesting because I don't know. And there's almost a setup here for like this really cool partnership that maybe doesn't pay off as much between Wolverine and Psylocke 
Yeah. Because the story is really, it's, it's like a two-person story for the most part. Right. With, with Jubilee's the supporting cast. But the two yeah. main characters in this, this little arc are Psylocke and Wolverine. And they both get a lot of page time, uh, a lot devoted to kind of what they're going through. Um, you know, her trying to use, like, his his three true loves against him. Um, I don't know, there's just, just a lot going on. And this definitely serves as, as to further launch kind of the mentorship of Wolverine and Jubilee. And, and not to say that, I mean, Psylocke and Wolverine will do plenty of stuff together. But you could look at this as kind of the starting point to, like, a big-time, like, really close partnership. And I don't know if we ever really get that. Yeah, I don't think so. <clears throat> at least not what, what you might think. Right, and at least not in Claremont's run. Now, maybe yeah. some other writers have maybe done some different things. But yeah, maybe. And like I said, don't want to downplay. They're definitely, like, friends and good teammates and, yeah. and acknowledge the history, but... As closely as intertwined as they are in this story, you can make the case that maybe there should have been just more connectivity between them going forward. But yeah, eh, whatever. That doesn't really take away from the story at all. So it doesn't. But no, it's it's good. It, I think it's also interesting <clears throat> since this is a Wolverine podcast to think about how interesting it is that when. You don't have a lot of other X-Men characters who introduce new major characters by themselves. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, so like, especially in the so X-Men book. Right? Yeah, so it's like you have Uncanny X-Men, and it's really, this is Wolverine. He introduces Jubilee right before this. She becomes a you know pretty big X-Men character. Right. He introduces this new version of Psylocke. Um, you know, just there's not at least I don't think of issues where you have one single X-Men character just everything with this one person and they're bringing someone else who then also becomes a major character right into the fold yeah. it's usually you know the group or the team and it's all very big I mean because this this could have easily just been in in the Wolverine comic yeah there's really really no reason have. for it to be X-Men yeah no. Other than the fact that, you know, Psylocke, of course, is an X-Men. Right. But still. Yeah, but her story anyway. could have shaped into the Wolverine solo series just yeah. as easily. You know, it's really funny to think about, too, how connected Wolverine and Jubilee are, and Wolverine wasn't even in her first appearance. <laughs> yeah. Right, just That's kind true. of a funny little, little tidbit, because they are, like, especially in the 90s, like they're they're attached, right? Like she is yeah. one of the major characters in the Wolverine solo series through most of the nineties and really until she kinda goes on her own to, to do Generation X, like they they're pretty close together up until that point. Um yeah. so yeah, no, it's definitely interesting that that he kinda ushers and is is foundational to both of these characters, at least becoming prominent X Men, if not introducing them all together. Yeah. So. Cool. Well, that is our Uncanny X Men chapters of Acts of Vengeance. So, unless you have any other thoughts, I'm going to go ahead and wrap the event up. All right. All right. So, in Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme number twelve, the Enchantress pretends to be a magical damsel in distress 
to trap Doctor Strange with her pretend executioner, but Clea returns to Earth to save the day. Um, in Spectacular Spider-Man 159, Doctor Doom sicks the Grimm brothers on Spidey so he can observe the cosmic power in action. Obviously, he wants it for himself. Um, Daredevil 275-276, Doctor Doom cobbles together Ultron 13 to show Kingpin what a wuss Daredevil is. But, forgetting that the number 13 is cursed, the robot is flawed. And Daredevil takes him out with an inhuman assist. Uh, Web of Spider-Man number 16, Kingpin offers to meet Spidey, but ambushes him with Bad Goliath. Spidey learns about the Axe of Vengeance Cabal while defeating the giant, but Doctor Doom learns more about his cosmic power by observing from afar. Alright, Avengers 312. Heavy bickering befalls the villain Cabal as rogue Freedom Force agents unsuccessfully attack the Avengers. Next up, Punisher 28-29. Doctor Doom makes a bet with the Kingpin that he can take out the Punisher. Punisher takes out a Doom bot then goes to Latveria to break into Castle Doom for answers on why Doom has a beef with him. Punisher steals a prized family portrait and returns home where he trades the family picture back to Doom for his own life. Amazing Spider-Man 328. Tom McFarlane's last issue on the book. Um, Sebastian Shaw hires the Hulk to take out Spider-Man but Spidey Cosmic punches the Hulk into space. He then goes and retrieves the Hulk, who goes home. All right. Alpha Flight 79 through 80 is not in Marvel Unlimited, so I didn't read it. Spectacular Spider-Man 160. The Axe Avengers bad guys start fighting amongst themselves even more. Cosmic Spidey breaks up a fight between Rhino, Hydro Man, and the Shocker. Doctor Doom resurrects the Sogmaster, I mean, uh, Test 1. And Spidey blows it up, but it absorbs his cosmic energy signature to study for doom. Web of Spider-Man 61, the wizard finds Spidey's mask and has Dragon Man track it like a bloodhound. But the dragon is no match for cosmic Spidey. Doom tries to get the cosmic power from Test 1's head, but it overloads and explodes. Avenger Spotlight 28, not in the app. Uh, Cloak and Dagger number 9, not in the app. Captain America 367, finally! Magneto finally whoops up on the Red Skull, finally, and throws him in a deep, a deep, dark hole, literally. This whole story, they've been teammates, and I've been like, that doesn't sit well with me. Magneto survived a concentration camp. Red Skull's a Nazi. They, <laughs> no cause can bring them together. So finally, Magneto kicks his butt, and I was very, very That didn't happy. seem right. Yeah. Very happy to see that happen. Plus, Great art. Um, I skipped Quasar number six. Doctor Strange number 13 was in Marvel Unlimited, but I couldn't make myself read it. It was terrible. <laughs> um, Moon Knight number 10. Three Z-list villains get bored because they can't find any real heroes to fight. So they fight Moon Knight instead. Moon Knight. Yeah. Punisher War Journal 12 to 13. Some more Jim Lee art. As Kingpin gives Doctor Doom grief for not killing the Punisher, so he hires Bushwhacker to finish the job. Uh, Bushwhacker has the upper edge until he's, his wife sees him and leaves him because he's a bad guy. Uh, <laughs> Punisher shoots him off a bridge 
And then uh, hits a bunch of kingpin operations for good measure. Avengers West Coast number 54. While hunting the UFOs, the West Coast Avengers are attacked by Mole Man and his subterranean creatures. But after realizing he might have been tricked into thinking the Avengers attacked him first, he retreats. <laughs> I said, a lot of bad guys running away in this story. Um, meanwhile, Loki muses that all the bad guys think this is their idea and he's really tricked them. And also the Avengers figure out what's going on. Um, so, Avengers 313, Mandarin and the Wizard try to attack the Avengers prematurely but don't have very good luck. Mandarin escapes, leaving the Wizard to be captured. Fantastic Four 335-336, the Fantastic Four appear before Congress to testify about the Superhuman Registration Act, but Dr. Doom sends a bunch of two-bit villains to interrupt. The conversation is tabled. And then, finally, the end. Where's my note? Uh, all right. West Coast Avengers number 55, the grand finale of Acts of Vengeance. The wizard teleports back to the Acts of Vengeance cabal from Avengers jail, which angers Loki, causing him to reveal himself to the other villains. They didn't know it was him. The Avengers, able to follow the teleportion trail, like a fart cloud, show up to mop up. As the battle with Loki ensues, the other bad guys escape back to Earth. Thor buries Loki in a deep ditch, and our heroes all go home. The end. Yay. And that is Acts of Vengeance. <laughs> uh, Thank like you, Cameron, it. for your patience. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. So. It's good. I, you know, I mean, the Psylocke stuff alone makes it worthwhile, I guess. Yeah. Even though it's not really all that connected. <laughs> no, it, and, and, you know, it's weird because it's a pretty big event with a lot of issues, some of which are very connected to the main story, some of which are barely, like, tangentially referencing what's going on. Um, which is pretty pretty common for these yeah. big old crossovers. Right. I, w- I would say so. So... Anyway, I guess over my overall take on the event is I would recommend just kind of at least skimming as much as you're able to get your hands on. Um, it's worth just kind of looking at some of the different matchups and stuff like that. Um, nothing really of import in the fights happens in most of the issues, but you know, it's 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 good old clean fun. So. Yeah, but it's like a lot like some of those big crossovers where it's really, where you can really just kind of read the ones of the characters that you care about. Yeah. You don't need to read the whole thing. Right. You get it. Yeah. Very much so. All right. Any closing thoughts on, on Acts of Vengeance, Psylocke, mostly naked Wolverine? (laughs) Um, no, man, just, um, how much Jubilee looks like Robin? (laughs) <laughs> I like that Robin Batman uh, Wolverine's Robin yeah I mean she basically is Wolverine's sidekick for quite a while so yeah. it works it works alright well the next flashback episode will be our 
Acts of Vengeance after party. We'll tie up some loose ends for Wolverine, and then uh, we'll keep moving forward. Uh, try yeah. to keep the flashback momentum going. So, yep. See if they set out on a pirate's journey for a while, or if they go back <laughs> to the X Men. I bet eventually they get back to the X Men. Though he's not in the next few issues, so I think yeah, it takes a little time. You figure yes. out what's going on with Legion. Yeah. Right. Apparently, we're supposed to care about that. yep so Cameron thanks again for coming on for making your triumphant return where can people find you Um, you can find me on twitter at Cameron Sinclair that's pretty much it no you should you're pretty good to have the the handle all to yourself yeah on there and claimed it I did. The Mine. famous Cameron, the, the two more famous Cameron Sinclairs did it after me, so they're stuck with uh, <laughs> variations. Yeah. You were Cameron Sinclair Prime. That's right. <laughs> at least on Twitter. Yeah, at least on Twitter. <laughs> the other guy's got a CameronSinclair.com. So uh, what would you do if you had a CameronSinclair.com? What would you put on there? I'd probably just lose the rights to it. <laughs> So I forget to pay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, assuming you had the website in perpetuity. Per- yeah, word, I don't is know. that a word? I, Did I make that up? I don't know. I don't know. Perpetuity? Well, yeah. What I don't know. I, just, I just lost. We just lost History Banner. Yeah. Which I lost the content a while back because we, well, Brad forgot to pay for it. <laughs> Throwing him under the and bus then, on the podcast so they, with Ghost Nick. We're going to have some beef now. That's right. I mean, we hadn't put, we had done anything in a while, so he, I, but I kind of kept it up with the idea that maybe we'd return to it, and so I'd kind of, I'd try to fix it so that it was still something people could at least access if they wanted to, and then um, I don't remember. I think his credit card expired, and then he didn't call fast enough or something. Whatever. Yeah. Either way, they so they deleted it, or that they backed it up, and so GoDaddy basically. You can pay to restore it, but mm-hmm. it's like two hundred dollars. Oh. I was like, I'm not going to pay two hundred dollars for a free website, so right. but I didn't, and so I just held on to the domain though for the last like two or three years because it doesn't cost much. And then um, my credit card got stolen, and so it got changed, and so they couldn't re-up it automatically, and that just left it. And I got an email like. Two days ago, that said officially it's no longer mine. Hmm. That's cool. I probably was never going to go back to it again. <laughs> right. So, if any of you listeners want that domain, <laughs> yeah, you can have it. It's out there. So, um, I still have all the podcasts. So, if I, if I ever felt the need to bring those back out or post any of them, especially the some of the comic book ones or something, yeah. you can always still do that. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> no <Right>. one cares. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, for uh, for the podcast that goes next, of course, you can like the Facebook page if you want. Uh, Twitter is that Snickcast, and the barely there show notes are at snickcast.podbean.com. So, there you go. Yeah. Podbean. Podbean. So. 
What would the name of your boy band be? If you're going to make a boy band to appease your daughter, what would you, what would you call it? Oh, man. I think mine would be the Sausage Links. The Sausage Links. I like that. I was going to say the Daddy-O's, but that Daddy-O's. seems too 50s to be a boy's yeah. band. That's more like a, <clears throat> like a Brian harmony, Fetzer, yeah. a doo-wop band. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. Okay. I'll have to think about it. All right. It's too late to, to make, right. a, make a decision <laughs> on that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yep. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, and everybody else, um, that's going to do it for this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. And until next time, hugs and snicks, everybody. Bye bye. See you later. And snacked. <laughs>